Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller on Amazon, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And, you know, our intention for this show is to help you manifest the life of your dreams, whether that is radiant health, uh, amazing loving relationships, more money, prosperity, or just simply peace of mind. So I'm super, super excited that you're here with me. And if you're new to our Light Warrior Tribe, you can get a free gift from me, the Clearing and Protection Spray Formula. Just go to clearingandprotectionspray.com. And this is a formula that helps you uh, remain calm and centered and grounded in the face of feeling chaotic and overwhelmed, especially if you're a sensitive soul. Uh, Now, today I have with me a very special friend. Her name is Dr. Katrina Cox, and I met her actually as a part of the Wellness Leadership Academy. And um, this is really cool because at this academy I get to meet amazing, amazing uh, healers and practitioners of all types, and uh, Katrina is one of them. In fact, we were in Fiji together, (laughs) yeah, one of these trainings. So uh, let me share what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about cancer remission, and Dr. Katrina has a cancer remission mission, which is so totally cool. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, as soon as they get a diagnosis of cancer, it's like your whole life changes, right? Like you just are never the same, and Dr. Katrina recognizes this. And, uh, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, as an expert um, in cancer freedom, she really wants to help people get control over their lives and empower uh, cancer not to be just survivors but thrivers so they can recover their control, rebuild their bodies, restore their lives, and, um, you know, really make this uh, a stepping stone to their growth, which I really love. So today we are going to be talking about, um, you know, where a cancer survivor can start to regain that control, right? We're talking about regaining. And then strategies on how to make an individualized plan to rebuild the body. And then talk a little bit about, like, kind of like the emotional toll of, you know, what happens to not just yourself but your family and, you know, how to develop strategies to restore yourself. Let me share a little bit more detail about Dr. Katrina. Like I said, she is a cancer cancer freedom consultant, uh, specialist, and the director and founder of the Cancer Remission Mission. And through her journey with cancer survivors, she is witnessing to a growing global epidemic of cancer. And as our treatments for cancer advance more and more, cancer survivors are living longer, but they're experiencing more depression, more secondary illness, disability, you know, than the general population. So her mission, like I said, is to empower survivors to be thrivers. And I'm so pleased to welcome Dr. Katrina Cox to the show. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, this is exciting. Thanks for being on the show today. And I know this is a, a really hot topic. <laughs> the whole Absolutely. Thing. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, well, we'll <laughs> a little bit later we're going to announce, you know, the, the number to call in in case people have questions. But for now, we want to start with, like, your story. Like, how did you, like, get into this in the first place? Uh, that's a great question. And it's uh, my biggest inspiration. Um, at some point in my life, uh, both of my parents were diagnosed with cancer. 
and um, they it was almost back to back. So after we thought my wow. dad was clear, my mom was then diagnosed right after. And so it was all during the same time I was going to naturopathic college. And both of my parents came to me at some point in their journey and said, like, what can we do? And the biggest thing that struck me is that they were very lucky at being able to do integrative care while they were being treated. So they went through and received chemotherapy and radiation and did all the things that they needed to do. But the biggest part where they suffered the most, I feel like, was that after they were considered in remission, um, you know, they went from going every day to the, you know, oncology place, getting treatments, being their oncologist to, okay, now go back to doing what you were doing before. And their bodies were ravished. You know, they were like, my dad's fatigue was astronomical. My mom, you know, she had lost so much weight. She didn't look like herself. Like there was just so much change in transition. And they were expected to just, you know, pick up the pieces like it was 18 months ago or two years ago. And they were giving no guidance. They were given no expectations. Like, you know, they, my dad at one point asked his oncologist, like, you know, what can I do to stop this from coming back? And his response was nothing. Literally go back to doing what you were doing before. Oh, no. Yeah, which for me is the definition of insanity, you know, because, like, let's just take a second to acknowledge that some part of what was happening before was absolutely a part of him creating this cancer inside of his body. And so, you know, we can't blame it on anything specific, but, you know, it was an, it's a new leash on life at that point. And you feel, you know, hopeful, you feel fatigued, frustrated, overwhelmed, you know, there's all these well-meaning people yeah. in your life who are sending you all these studies that say like, oh, this is good for that. And this is good for <laughs> cancer. And, you know, right. And they come. And, and so I started yeah. going, okay, this is a place where we drop the ball. You know, we absolutely, I mean, yes, we're advancing. We put all this money into research, the newest treatments and all this other stuff. But And we can talk about that because not everyone feels like that money is being spent wisely. But the biggest issue is the reoccurrence rate. The biggest issue in the biggest drain is after treatment, what are these patients supposed to do, you know? And so that for me, just watching that and being a part of that process. And I feel like there were a lot of people in our family who were like, okay, you're good. Like, go back to doing what you're doing, okay, not you're realizing, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and not realizing that there's a huge process at this point. And for a lot of patients, um, and thankfully my parents didn't have this experience, but for a lot of patients, you know, maybe they were curious about integrative care or finding alternatives or, you know, like, they're just, there's something bigger, like, let's take a look at what else has happened, you know, like, they're anemic, they have lost organs or parts of organs, you know, they, you know, they, there, there's this massive toll that just treating the cancer has taken on them, and so, you know, let's put together a process, and let's make it so it feels confident, because I don't know how many times a patient comes into my office, and they're taking 45 supplements, you know, they're in a hope that they're all going to stop them from developing cancer again, right? Or help them, and they feel totally burdened by what they think is going to save them instead of feeling renewed and confident in what they're doing and putting together. And so, you know, it's just like grappling at straws instead of like a legitimate, confident plan, you know, and so that they can, they can give themselves time and space to be able to actually put stuff together. 
Oh, my gosh, that is so true. I mean, really, what you're talking about is even if they have that approach in their minds, like that, you know, let's let's be holistic, integrative, a lot of their actions end up, especially if they're on their own without support, end up in this fear-based, I'm going to do this to prevent getting cancer, you know, instead of yeah. really thriving. Yeah, that's a yeah, really absolutely. great point. And what I find that I struggle with the most with patients is that a lot of the support networks, that are out there, you know, like the group stuff and whatever, they have the best intentions, but they're not, they're not focused on overcoming it. You know, they're focused on, you know, it's a badge of honor. We'll go out and we're going to bring education and awareness and money to this cause and fight instead of going, oh, wait, let's move past it. This is not who I am. It is just a part of my story. And so my dad really struggled with this because he was, wearing the badge of C, you know, like everybody who knew him was like, I knew this guy who survived cancer, you know, right? And I'm like, well, yes, that is a part of the process, but it can't define you because if it does define you, then every decision that you're making is not out of your own person and out out of your experience which is what it should be. You know, you get to remission and it needs to be just yet another experience, right? And it's so hard to do that because it's so fear-driven. And, there's, and you know, I talk about all this a lot with patients, but they don't even realize that there's grief that they need to go through. There's a huge grief process. You know, they lost yeah. a, a part of their life. They, they lost who they were. They, they don't know who they are a lot of times at that point. They've lost friends along the way, new friends that they've meet, you know, met, and, and they've lost parts of their body, you know, and so they really don't really focus on that part of it. And so, like you said, there's an emotional component that I get into with patients, you know, that we consider moving forward with. But the biggest mission that we have is to create a tribe of people that, you know, have this as a part of their life journey, but are willing to transform and transcend past it. Mm, oh, I think that is so, so beautiful and so needed as well. Like you said, like people are just literally like leaving patients on, you know, at the train station at this new land, you know, and going, okay, go ahead with your life. Just, yeah, yeah whatever. Like, I'll, I'll call see me you when in you three need months. We'll you know? make sure you're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. We'll do a bunch of tests, you know, put you back in the fear that maybe there's <laughs> a tumor growing back or, or something like that and nothing in between. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So with your parents, um, like, did, you know, did they react differently in terms of like after they got their cancer remission in terms of like how they related to their friends or, you know, cause your dad, you said your dad sort of wore the C like a badge of honor. Like what about your mom? Yeah, so my mom is a out of sight, out of mind kind of person. So, you know, when she wasn't going to the cancer clinic on a regular basis, she was like, it's out of sight, it's out of mind, you know. And her cancer is chronic. So her oncologist, as she continues to follow up with him, continually tells her that, you know, it's not a matter of if it comes back, it's a matter of when. And so her thought process is that, and I'm very lucky to be a part of this process with her, is that we actually look at being in the most preventative state possible, you know, because if it comes back when she's 95, we're good to go, you know, right? Like, let's, let's aim for that, you know, let's, let's, 
go beyond what the statistics are. And that's the big thing. Like, you know, I, I talk to lots of people about this because it really is a mission for me. It's a huge mission. And so I like to speak to people because there's a lot of things that people don't know, you know, like that 60% of people that are given a diagnosis of cancer actually get to five years, you know, they are considered survived. And that's a huge percentage because you ask wow. people, you know, know if you get, yeah, if you ask people if they get, you know, a cancer uh, diagnosis, the first thing everyone thinks is it's completely a death sentence. Now, there are, yeah. of course, ranges with that, right? There are things that are way more deadly and then things that are like, you know, a little bit more nonchalant. And that statistics actually comes from um, the cancer care in U the U.S. And it includes all cancers except for skin cancer because that one can be like lots of people have it and it just doesn't fit into the realm. So it includes everything from prostate oh. cancer to breast cancer to like, you know, and, and, and it includes things like ovarian cancer and some of the things that are a bit more intense, you know, in terms of their, um, their aggressiveness. So it's a widespread thing, but that's a huge percentage of people that are going to, you know, really basically survive this. Um, and so that's a huge percentage of people, you know, because we've all heard the statistic that one in two people have been affected by cancer, right? So that doesn't mean that they've been given a diagnosis, but they know somebody that has if they aren't directly affected by it themselves, you know. And so if you think about that, that's a huge number of people who are left to try and figure it all out on their own and are left, you know, kind of wondering for five years what the heck is going on, you know. So. There's really a lot yeah, of like different reactions. Yeah, like it's almost reactions. like they don't even know. They don't even know how well they are. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Like there's, there's, Absolutely. There's no guideline. There's no checklist. There's no like un unless you happen to be, you know, a medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor or something like yourself. Like they don't have any context. Like, am I well? Am I not well? Am I healthy? Am I not healthy? Like, you know, they think that a lab test or an X-ray is all there is to figure that out. Absolutely. But that is Absolutely. so not true. And and so there's so much more. And that's where I think, you know, it is a really hard battle. It's really hard for everyone involved to be able to, like, you know, not be the deer in headlights. You know, when the first, when the diagnosis comes, right, people are a deer in headlights. And I get it. It's like, yep. it's huge because of what the stigma is. It's because of how it's you know, how it's brought down, you know, what kind of, depending on the cancer care center that you're in, what kind of support is available, what kind of, you know, integration is available. Like there's just, it's not necessarily about health. It's about, oh my God, there's this thing and it's, it's a foreign object and we've got to get it out. You know, we've got to yep. kill it. Right. And so, you know, and yep. I, I respect that. I respect that intensity. I respect that drive, but I also say, okay, but what about the person that's sitting in front of you? You know, like, let's take a step back and go, all right, there's a person sitting in front of me. Let's do more than just treat the cancer. Let's look at that person and figure out actual things that are going to help them keep moving forward, you know? And so it, it, it can and should be treated somewhat like an urgent chronic illness, you know? And so let's put together a full plan, a full treatment plan, including remission, you know? Let's make sense yeah. of this. Because I, you know, a perfect example is I have lots of colon cancer patients, for example, they get through, they do all their treatment, you know, and then they're told afterwards that they're like, they're, you know, after they've gotten parts of their bowels resected and they've done all this chemo and radiation and stuff, 
you know, and they're like, okay, so, you know, they have, for example, they have diarrhea and gut pain and bloating and all this stuff because they don't have a GI tract that's been, it's been ravished by the chemo and radiation and the surgery and their scar tissue and all this stuff, you know, and then they're like, oh, well, just eat white, you know, everything's white for the rest of your life. And I was like, what? Like what, white bread? Like that's it? That's all they get to eat. There's no special value in that, you know, like, what is that? And, and, you know, and so that to me is like the antithesis, like, where's the nutritional advice? Like, why are we not healing that tissue? It can be healed people, you know, like, let's like, let's take a step back and let's actually talk about putting the treatment back together, healing it, like, and using things that make sense, you know, everything from acupuncture to to the proper supplementation and timing, to food combining, to digestive, like let's actually make sense of what's happening there for that person and put together a plan. Because, you know, sometimes these patients will come in and they'll be like, oh, I'm eating a raw vegan diet. And not that I have a problem with that, but their GI tract is not capable of getting the nutrients out of that right now. You know, like that, that takes a lot of digestive power to have all that cold food, all that raw stuff to be like pulling out the nutrients, you know, and then they wonder why they're fatigued and they're still losing weight. And, you know, right. And I'm like, this, this may make sense in the future, but right now this does not make sense, you know, and then there are tears that are shed because someone told them that they would cure themselves and they would never get it back if this was the only way to go. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, that they didn't consider you. They didn't consider, you know, your scar tissue. They didn't consider your surgery, the type of cancer you had, like that's crazy to me, you know? And so there's a lot of that emotional stuff because if it's not manageable by you, you're going to beat yourself up over the fact that you're not doing this thing that you think, it's really connected yep. to your survival, right? And so then it's right. a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, okay, so it came back and it was all because I couldn't do this and I'm, you know, weak and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Stop that because all of that upset and frustration doesn't help anyone, you know? That doesn't actually help you progress and move forward. So you've got to make a plan that actually puts you in a position of success. You know, there are some major don'ts, you know, like eating fast food for the rest of your life is likely not going to give you what you need. Right. (laughs) Right. But, you know, but it's the pendulum swing of let's make sure we're putting this plan together specifically for who you are. Yeah. Customized. Um, Yeah. Because I, I know, yeah, from my experience too, I mean, there's there's so many things out there that there are people are reading and movies and everything like that. And they're like, well, I should, you know, just, just juice. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying that people don't do really well with that compared to what they probably were eating before. Uh, but not everyone's the same. Like you said, they're unique. And if they're really depleted, like somebody said, oh, wow, if you look at the curling photography of a raw carrot, you know, there's so much more energy than a cooked carrot, right? And then one of the other nutrition people that I interviewed says, well, yeah, but that doesn't show you what energy the person is able to extract from the carrot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's, it doesn't translate that just because a raw carrot is a lot of energy necessarily that you're going to personally be able to extract that energy for yourself. Absolutely. That's where it becomes important to create your own space. Um, in order to make those decisions and be able to feel strong in those decisions because some of the people in your lives, I mean, the biggest thing that I had trouble with was like my, um, uh, my mom's sisters, you know, they all wanted to do the best 
for her. And so there was like email of study after study after study after study. And, you know, my mom was really lucky because she has a constitution where she's able to say, I appreciate your input, but I'm working with someone and I trust them to be able to put the best plan together for me. Right. And so that's where I always, yeah. Well, and that's where I always say to my patients, like, bring your stuff to me, you know, like, let's talk about it. Let's have an open discussion about all the stuff that you're getting, all the information, and let's filter that down, you know, and make it so it makes sense and you feel confident so you can say, thank you very much for your input, but that's not what I want, you know, or it doesn't work for me or, you know, because, there's so much information out there, but it doesn't necessarily translate into knowledge. Right. And wisdom. <laughs> and wisdom. Clinical experience, you know, right? And the yeah. it's about transcending some of the beliefs. You know, it's about yes. creating a space so that, you know, especially if you're a sensitive person, that you're able to, you know, create a boundary so that you can do your full healing because there's nothing worse for a patient, especially a sensitive patient, you know, than only getting halfway, you know, just feeling like there's pieces missing and that they're not. And that's why, you know, when we break it down for patients, I, that's why it's the three steps, you know, let's talk about the physical, let's rebuild your body first because you can't do all the other stuff if you don't have the physical energy to do it, right? Let's talk about that before we start trying to restore your life. So let's take a look at the physical aspects first, you know, and then we can move into, you know, the, the, the mental emotional components, you know, where are we stuck? What's sabotaging us? You know, like what are, you know, what are the emotions that we still have? Because sitting in a fear-based cycle is the worst, right? There's rumination, there's, you know, like, it just is like carrying a black cloud around every day, right? And try being present with a giant black cloud over your head. So, you know, let's build your body, let's rebuild your body, let's, you know, rejuvenate your mind, body, and soul, and then let's restore your life, right? Because that is fully transforming, you know, that's that step one, step two, step three. And there's lots of things in there, you know, like, when you're rebuilding your body, when's the right time to detox, you know, not right after, Mm. you know, that's, you know, and I have a lot of conversations because people like, I really want to get this radiation chemo out of my body. I'm like, well, you can't yet. Like your body, you need to rebuild yourself before you can start pulling things out. Right. Like, and I know, and the more you sit there, (laughs) you know, the more you sit there and think, Oh my God, there's toxins in me, the less it's doing exactly what you want it to do, you know? And so, that's where, you know, you have to be able to be congruent with your thoughts as well as, you know, confident with your treatment plan. Mm, yeah, that's so, so, so true. Well, you know, um, I was thinking that, you know, when, when people first, you know, get the diagnosis and then they, you know, end up going through treatment, whichever that treatment is, like how do they, like what's one or, you know, a tip maybe that you can give that, that people can start you know, recovering their control. I mean, I just heard earlier saying no. I'm not sure if that's one of them, but <laughs> but uh, that might be part of it. So from the moment of diagnosis, things are going to go really quickly. But what ends up happening for most patients is that 
they don't take the, the uh, they actually and why we call it transformation from survival mode is because they get in survival mode and so what ends up happening is life feels like it stops right there's this one thing that you just have to get through and get over and get you know right and all of this stuff and so many people respond differently to survival mode right so there's there's the deer and headlights approach where they're just like going through the motions, totally not capable of being able to be aware because they're literally, you know, like I, ha- I have a lot of patients who will say, all I heard is you have cancer. And then from then on, it was wah, 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 Charlie Brown, right? Right, right. And I was, you know, right? And I was like, absolutely, because it's like it's life stopping because of our preexisting, yeah. you know, state. And so, you know, if that's the survival mode for you, taking space and time from all the crazy, like set up uh, a room for yourself, set up a space for yourself, everything that's in it only belongs to you. It's your space, you know, as whether that's outside under a tree or in your house or apartment where you're like, the clutter is gone. You know, you put up whatever lamps you need, whatever lights you like something that is completely you, that is stable and consistent. And that'll allow for you to go into that space, take deep breaths, you know, know which, start listening intuitively to what decisions to make and not make, right? And, and being able to ask questions because a lot of times when that survival mode happens and you're a deer in headlights, people stop being able to ask questions about, you know, effectiveness of treatment and all of these things. And so then they don't get the informed consent in order to make a decision. How hard is it to actually make a decision and feel confident in that decision if you are giving your control over to somebody else and you haven't gotten all the knowledge that you should, right? And so wow. that allows so that, you, you know, in that moment to create a boundary, you know? And even the caretakers or your friends or whatever else, they need to ask permission to come into that space, you know? They're not supposed to invade it, right? Because that allows you to get grounded when you're making those decisions and it'll feel really hard to do. Like it's crazy to be able to do that. Right. And so it's just even like from that moment and that will allow you, you know, through every decision that needs to be made, it'll allow you through every, you know, surgery and recovery and whatever else, it'll allow you space because that is one of the biggest things with regaining control is that you need to have space to create an individual identity so that you're not patient number four, five, six with, you know, breast cancer or whatever for the day, right? Like you're legitimately still, you know, Rachel or Joanna or Katrina or, you know, Bob, whatever it is. And that will allow for from that moment. And that's a great place. Like that's one of the things that we do when we talk about regaining control, you know, and rebuilding your body is like, where is your grounding space? go and spend time in it. I love nature, right? But not everybody has that. Sometimes they're in the you know, city or whatever, but what it needs to be is something that allows you to be grounded. Yeah, that that space is so important. We kind of poo-poo it in our modern go, go, go society. But like you said, if we don't have that space, it's really hard to make uh, a, an informed decision with all these things just being thrown at us. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And what about sure. the um yeah, and, and then you said that um you know that uh I, I'm assuming this like this three steps is this part of a program, the recovery, build and restore? 
Yeah, so we have lots of different things that we're working on with the mission, right? So the big thing is putting together a platform and doing some online work for patients so that they get access to me and then they get access to video. So there is like a, you know, there's a beta tested program that we're doing right now, um, which is a 12-week program, which takes you through the four different, you know, the three different stages and there's four weeks in each. Um, And then outside of that, we're working on having a live event so that people can meet each other because as much as I want to facilitate you know, people meeting me and developing this tribe, I, I think the power that we have is that those people that have been through that are able to share their journey, but in a transformative way. So it's not just sitting in a room full of a bunch of cancer survivors, right, and just rehashing right. what happened to them. You know, it's about going, this is what happened to me, and this is how I recovered from fear. This is how yes. I went through my grief cycle, right, because that. To me, that power is about transformation, right? And so that's what the big thing is, that it's not just about surviving and going back to life. It's about revolutionizing and, you know, and being able to move forward, staying on top of it and creating a support network, right? Because I will say this, as much as, you know, your spouse loves you or your kids love you or, you know, right, that kind of thing, or your best friend loves you, right? And they they are so well-meaning. But it is very challenging, like you said, okay, you're done, let's go, you know, like you're back to normal, you dodged that bullet, you know, right? And if you talk to both of my parents, they will say, and this is an interesting concept, that they would much rather be the person who was diagnosed with cancer than the person as a spouse going through it with someone else. And I think that that's because they were able to focus on themselves and they didn't feel hopeless. Right. And so one of the first things that all of that support network that people have, you know, their friends and their family and all that stuff is that, you know, once that, you know, big trigger is done, quote unquote, they don't want to, they, they don't know what to do for you. So they're hopeless and helpless. Right. And they just like, okay, we're moving on, go back to work, like do your thing. Like we survived this, let's keep moving forward, you know, and that energy, although it's awesome, can be really not great because it doesn't allow for that space to actually fully recover and rebuild, you know, and, and connect. Yes. Yes, that's so true. Um, on the one hand, you know, our loved ones can sometimes coddle us like too much <laughs> when when we have a diagnosis and then you end up, you know, kind of feeling like put upon or like a victim or all these possibilities and then the other end of the spectrum where it's sort of like oh great you don't have cancer anymore okay you know and then it's like back to normal but there is no normal I mean there is no normal and I, for me I see cancer as like you were talking about like almost like the stepping stone to another like a greater more amazing version of you and if we ignore what cancer is there for in the positive sense then we've never we never really addressed the original pattern that maybe wants to be healed or the next stage of our spiritual development, which is you know what what is it is there for. Um, just wanting people to go back to normal is just not not really healing to me. No, it, and that's the thing we want it to be healing because it's such a crisis that we need to actually heal. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we I just I want to part uh, here for a minute or so just to first of all give the call a number if people want to call in live to ask you a question. Of course. Um, yeah, and of it course. could be anything related to our topic. It could be about nutrition. It could be about recovery. It could be about emotions. Um, the number to call in is 818-514-1190, and hit one so we know your hand is up. So let's start a conversation. And I've also opened up the chat. Uh, so if you're online only, you can also chat me here, and I will relay the question to Dr. Cox. Uh, and the other thing, too, is maybe, um, uh, um, Dr. Katrina, you could actually share your website where people could learn more either about your program or what you do. That would be really great. Yeah, of course. Um, the big thing is just meeting people, right? Like meeting people and checking to make sure that they're in a space where they're ready for this because it's it's a big undertaking, right? It's a, it's just as the diagnosis was, like there's a lot of uncomfortable feelings. There's a lot of, like I said, there's grief that we have to go through. There's these huge phases that we have to be able to keep moving forward with. And so that, that's the big thing. Just let's, let's meet. Let's have a chat. Let's take a look at maybe where you're at and maybe where you want to be because that's the biggest process of, you know, um, just like quitting smoking or something else, you need to be dedicated and want to make some changes uh, because, you know, motiv- motivating you, we can help you with sabotage and all this other stuff, but just trying to convince you that it's good for you to be able to move through this, that, that's not helpful for the tribe, right? So that's a, that's a big step, just making sure you're fit and you're ready and, you know, and you're at a good place. Um, because it's, it, like I said, it is very uncomfortable. And we're, we are here to be able to create these, you know, spaces. We're taking it out little chunks by little chunks so that, you know, we can remove roadblocks to treatment and cure and, and remove roadblocks from, you know, from recovery and all of that stuff. And so there are little steps, and that's what the program, the PDF, the the 12-week program is about. It's about being able to add little steps so it's a snowball effect and becomes much bigger in life. Um, The the program itself, the 12-week program, it's at your own pace, right? So some people do it in 16 weeks. Some people do it in three months. We get that, you know. You have to take it little bits by little bits. Um, And so there's some space for you to be able to do that. Uh, as well, for sure. And with the program itself, you get some individual counseling with me. So we start off at an individual session. You know, we start off and we kind of go through it. And after the first round, we'll talk. And there's lots of online support. And people can drop me emails and stuff, which allows for them to get clarity. Because the big thing that we talk about a lot through the whole 12 weeks is be clear because the more clear you are about what you're connected to and, and your plan and your customizable plan, the more confidence you have that the plan is going to work for you. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. So it looks like the first step that uh, people were interested to, to learn more about the program or maybe if it's a fit is to contact you on the website. Yeah, so they can contact me on the website. They can just send me an email. We have a Facebook group as well that they can ask to be a part of. So there's lots of different ways. Uh, my personal email, because that's one of the best ways to get a hold of me, is my last name, C-O-X, period, my first name, Katrina, K-A-T-R-I-N-A, at gmail.com. And so that will, that can, you know, even just like, 
hey, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm interested. I'd love to, you know, chat. Then I can send them a link so that they can book in their, you know, their free kind of consult to just interview to see if they're the right fit kind of thing, right? So um, so that's ah, a good way I- they can, yeah. Because, I mean, the big thing is just like, getting more information, you know, because there's so many books out there. There's so many different things. And I think the best thing for me is just having conversation because that allows me to get to know their story. And then they can, you know, be able to ask more questions about what it is that we do and how the group works. Right. So. Yeah. And what is the, what is the name? If you could just spell out the, the website that people can go to. Oh yeah. So the website is actually at my office because we're transitioning to being more online. So right now, uh, equilibriumhealthcaresolutions.com is where everything is. And so it's equilibrium, E-Q-U-I-L-I-B-R-I-U-M, healthcaresolutions.com. And so there's off sheets from that. There's links and things. Um, and eventually we should be able to have like an actual cancer remission mission page. So we're just working on building that as well. Wow. So, yeah, I know there's a lot in the works. I'm doing a lot of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I, know, of course, I know. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, on Facebook, if they just uh, check out the Remission Mission, they can ask to be a part of the group, and that way I can answer questions, and there's, we're, we're building from there. And so we have lots of, lots of people in there that are getting more information. And I put posts there and stuff so that they can, you know, connect um, from a Facebook place as well. So. Oh, great. So if they're on Facebook, they search for the group called Remission Mission? The Remission, the remission Mission, yep. Ah, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so if you're on Facebook, everyone, just you can actually type in the um, the, the search bar in the Facebook, bar. the yep. Remission Mission. Um, and yeah. you can join Dr. Katrina's group for free and just get to know her, get to know the tribe, um, ask questions there. And then, like I said, or like we said, then you can also email Dr. Katrina to um, set up a one-on-one, uh, kind of like a meet and greet, virtual meet and greet if you're not uh, in, yeah. in the vicinity. And you're just to clarify, the 12-week program is something that people can do from a distance. Is that correct? Yeah. Absolutely. It's meant to be global. It's meant to be reachable. Um, it's all online, um, and we'll be able to do that with everyone. So, yep. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. So the folks that are listening in, if you want to call and ask a question, don't be shy. The number is 818-514-1190. Hit 1 so you know your hand's up. Again, it's 818-514-1190. And hit 1. Otherwise, I don't know your hand is up, and I can't unmute you. And if you are online listening to the live show, you can also click the chat. There's a little link there in the radio show page. Uh, and you can type in a message for myself or Dr. Katrina uh, about this topic and maybe share some of your own personal because, um, you know, like we said before, it's so common. Like one in two people are going to be affected by cancer by their loved ones, themselves, their friends, you know, things like that. So we'd love to share your personal experience about what that was like for you and, uh, you know, what kinds of support that you did get, didn't get, what you wanted, what you didn't want, you know, what it was like uh, for you. So, yeah, go ahead and call in live uh, and raise your hand. Uh, Or, you know, like I said, click the link and talk in the chat. 
so while we're seeing if anybody would like to, you know, share, I know, you know, this topic is, is pretty um, sensitive, you know, sensitive. Uh, I think it's very Absolutely. emotional. So yeah. it's, it's a little bit challenging, I think, sometimes for, for people to share. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, so uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, the emotional things, like what kind of, you know, strategies can we, to you know, to, to how do we go to restore um, going from that, at least emotionally, from that survival to the thrival. Yeah, so the the first thing that I just had previous talked about is about creating space for yourself, right? So um, right. that's a big one, right? So that there's grounding when you're moving through the emotional space of what's going on. Um, the second thing that I, you know, ask patients, and a lot of times no one has sit with them or ask them this because – the word grief implies that somebody died most of the time, and that's not true. Um, grief is just a state of being, right, when we are in some sort of shock-based state, essentially. And so there are many stages right. of grief. So there's anger, there's denial, there's frustration, there's sadness, there's all of these things. There's fear, right? Um, so, so whenever I, you know, get to an emotional place and we're working on restoring a person, right, we, we really look at, um, you know, where they are in the stages of grief. And so sometimes I'll recommend, you know, books that they can read. Big thing is to journal their emotional feelings um, and to have outlets, creative outlets, because we cannot carry grief around and function well. Um, it is a hindering block. It is a roadblock to being able to feel the freedom of what we want to feel. Um, and so we have to find a way for it to come out um, and to express it and to feel the uncomfortableness of it and to recognize where we're at with it. And so creativity, you know, I, lots of people, I'm not creative. I don't draw. I don't do all this. I, I, call, I call bull crap on all of that. Every single person in this world has both a right brain and a left brain, and every single person has a creative outlet. It could be dancing. It could be doodling. It could be just throwing paint on a wall. Like, I, it, it can be everything. You need to have, like, you know, and, and sometimes, for my husband, this is crazy, but his is actually tinkering with electronics. It's where he gets to get oh, creative and you know, right, taking <laughs> an old totally VCR and pulling it apart and putting together other pieces and create, you know, and, and that's just as creative as somebody cutting and pasting and scrapbooking, you know. And so I always tell patients to get started with something, you know, singing in the shower, you know. If they used to play piano as a kid, just sit down on a keyboard and press a couple of keys, you know. Like it's about getting some stuff from a subconscious level out of your body, right? And that'll allow for us to, you know, a lot of times when I doodle afterwards, I'll be like, wow, that's pretty dark. I was in a pretty dark place. I didn't <laughs> even realize that I was carrying it around, you know, wow. or it's like sunshines and, and water and all stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm doing pretty well today, right? So it can be that connection that we need to make to our heart, you know, to our, you know, taking it out of the brain, rational brain, and connecting back down and figuring out where we are because we can rationalize it, you know. Like, I don't know how many times it's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, really? You are? Yes. Because you're yelling at everyone around you. You're sitting there looking like a grump, right? Like, or you're totally not able of having a conversation. Or worse, 
you are doing all of those things, but everyone can feel that it's not true. You're not truly there, right? Because you're putting on bravado and smiling and, and, you know, and that kind of thing. Right. And so that translation needs to happen. And so that's where, you know, creating a creative space for yourself will allow for you to, I mean, paint by number if you need to, right? Like let's (laughs) just find, you know, what it is that turns your crank that allows you to creatively get some stuff out. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like, you know, using our, um, like moving that energy, getting, because we, we lose that, um, the impetus for developing a creative size unless we're, you know, professionally, you know, uh, artists and, and, uh, but, 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 you know, they're decreasing, like, I don't know about Canada, but, you know, they're decreasing funding, you know, to arts programs and certain schools because it's all about the science and the math and the sports, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. To bring us back to, yeah, our wholeness. Uh, using that creativity, I think it's I think it's wonderful. And um, do you get anybody, uh, Dr. Katrina, who either friends, family, or, or clients or patients that um, I don't know if they've openly said this to you, but just curious, have they ever said that you know having been diagnosed with cancer was the best thing that ever happened to them, or that they're grateful yeah. for having Ab- not? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And wow. you can. There's so so that comes further down that doesn't come normally right away. Right. Um, right but, it'll, but you know, cause there's, there's just so much emotional space, but a lot of times, especially when people go, you know, through the program and they start to meet people and they start to get a full inspiration. They start to get a new understanding of life. You know, they start to get to, you know, the best part about it, if they go through the remission mission and go beyond survival and start thriving, all of a sudden, you know, the food that they eat tastes sweeter and the air that they breathe is nicer. And, you know, it's a totally different perspective. And that's what we strive to get people to, is to that thrival state where life feels renewed, refreshed, you know, and, and so um, satisfying. You know, and so that it's, it's yeah. there's a contentment, a wholeness, a, you know, a connection that they maybe were missing before, you know, or they didn't have enough time to focus on it or, you know, there's so many ors from that. Right. And so the thought process is mm-hmm. getting to a space where that is a bigger thing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it does come later, of course, uh, even with myself. Um, di- you know, diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, and, and later years, I said this is, you know, when my husband and I were divorcing, uh, uh, you know, I I said something about being grateful for everything and even my illness, and he looked at me like, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Absolutely, know, it's such a strange thing. Yeah. Yeah, to have that place, it really feels uncomfortable for a lot of people, right? To, to because it's it can there's so much emotional stuff where it can be crass and all these other things but that's not what it is like it's actual evolution it's actual revolution it's actual transformation right and every when you get to a place where you've gone through those you know intensity things right you have two options you have opportunity or you have curled up in the corner right like Really, you have to take it as it is, especially when you get to a place where you've actually started to heal. It doesn't mean that you'd want to experience it again, 
right? Plus, you know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right? But it gives you a new leash. And when you, there's a book called Radical Remission. And it's it's about cases where people were given terminal, like actual terminal diagnoses. Like they were not supposed to live, you know? And they, wow. you know, and they get to a place where miraculously they got to remission and have been able to live many, many years. And when you read the book, a lot, all of the cases are about people who revolutionized their life. You know, like, just like you said, like, you know, where they're like, wow, this relationship is a part of my problem or this job is a part of my problem, or this lifestyle is a part of my problem. And each one of those people actually get to a place where they're able to transcend that, right, and move past it. Yeah. And so, and that doesn't, I mean, that's not everyone's story, right? Absolutely, it's not everyone's story. But when you're in remission, why not let's make it your story? You know, you've got to this point, let's actually make the rest of it your story I love that yep I love that and uh, I mean it's I think that when they go well I'm a regular medical doctor to begin with so so I can say this but when we you know have patients come to us and we tell them the diagnosis and they get that deer in the headlights and they're not really listening to anything else we're saying and you know all the bad news no matter how slow we say it you know Uh, and, uh, but then when they can come to this place of remission and instead of, you know, choosing that road of fear, maybe it's going to come back, what am I going to do and go into that empowerment place and really like, you know, be totally responsible for our feelings, for our lives, for saying no when we need to say no. I mean, it's a beautiful place to be. And sometimes I've said to patients I said well you know if you can't say no then your body's going to say no for you and sometimes we don't like how that happens cancer included yeah um, yeah absolutely yeah and actually I had, and actually I had one patient that that kind of happened to she she had um you know uh well it wasn't widespread it was like ductal carcinoma of the breast and they had taken a biopsy and it was positive and of course she was scared and she was one of those couldn't say no couldn't say no at work and and uh, I took the opportunity of, you know, just coaching her a little bit on, on that piece and about, you know, how sometimes our bodies say, you know, tell us, give us signals if we can't say no. And she kind of got it, you know, and she started saying no. And she started, you know, people were trying to always put extra work on her. And she started saying, no, this doesn't work for me. And I said, hey, if you need, if you need the cancer to, to help, you know, you say no, use it, <laughs> whatever. Absolutely. You know, like be strong and and she did and and the really cool thing was the next time they you know they did a second biopsy and a check to see if she needs chemo or surgery or whatever they couldn't find any trace of cancer and they were like oh okay you know <laughs> well go home you know go home there's nothing we can do for you you know and i said yeah. well gosh uh, this is awesome i said keep saying no <laughs> and she did she did. She's still Absolutely. here with us today. You know, she survived and doing well and retired. And yeah, she changed positions, got a better job, got a better pay. I mean, it was, it's amazing what what uh, cancer or any other, you know, serious diagnosis can do potentially to kick us into high gear to really love ourselves. Um, Absolutely. To really love our lives. Oh, it's great. Well, we have a few minutes left, Dr. Katrina. No, nobody's raising their hands today, anyway. 
No um, worries. But uh, maybe we can just uh, we'll just go. Maybe we'll just uh, say the the website name again, and then maybe we can end with uh, you know maybe one or two you know tips or things you want to just you know re like re go over like is the most Absolutely. important message for today. Yeah. So. Like we talked about before, the the office where I'm at, the Equilibrium Healthcare Solutions, E-Q-U-I-L-I-B-R-I-U-M, healthcaresolutions.com. And there's always posts there, like when we have our live event, it'll be there. You know, um, you can connect on Facebook at the Remission Mission. So just in the in the search bar, you put in the Remission Mission and ask to be, um, you know, somewhere in there. And there's lots of inspiring quotes, and I drop little tidbits and bombs there and stuff like that. And that's where we release a lot of our, you know, online stuff, our content. There's lots of different cool things that are there. Um, and then, of course, you can always email me directly, C-O-X period Katrina, K-A-T-R-I-N-A at gmail.com. Um, and so there's lots of different ways to get a hold of me. You can check out any one of those three options. Outside of that, you can always um, just take these two little tidbits home. First process, first big tidbit for patients, um, you know, as they're going through the cancer remission mission is whenever you're considering anything, whether it's my program, whether it's, you know, somebody else's program, whether it's a supplement or anything else, I want you to stop and I want you to ask yourself three things. One, is this for me? So that's the first question. You got to ask yourself that and you listen to your head and your heart about is this for me, okay? So you, it's most important person in this process is you, okay? And so ask yourself if you're going to, you know, buy a program, buy a book, buy a supplement, anything, right? Diet, lifestyle, is this for me? Second question that you need to ask yourself is, is this serve my body? So it's not just about me, but is it going to work? You know, we've given some examples of, you know, strange uh, diets that maybe don't work because of things or, you know, supplements that, you know, they're good for all cancers, quote unquote, but, you know, make sure that it's good for the type of cancer you have. So is this good for me? Is this good for my body? Mm. And then the third thing is, can I accomplish this? Am I setting myself up for success or failure? Because, I, I want you to push yourself and get a little uncomfortable, absolutely, to go through the process, but I don't want you beating yourself up over it, right? And so that's yeah, where, that's you know, is this, yeah, is this for me? Is this for my body, right? Um, and does this serve me, right? So just ask those three questions, and you'll legitimately, you know, be able to get at least a head start on some customization, of what it is that you're doing. It'll also give you fodder to be able to say, no, that isn't for me. No, that doesn't serve my body, you know, and no, that isn't setting me up for success, right? And so that'll allow for you to be able to just have a very easy check-in of being able to say yes or no and being able to make a decision because the worst thing is just sitting there not making a decision or doing everything, right? And so, and setting yourself up for failure, right? And so just, that's the first thing. Just ask yourself those three questions and you will get a good little bit of a head start on customizing things for yourself. Um, the uh, second little tidbit yeah, that I great. want, yeah, the second little tidbit that I'd like to say is so, um, you know, the biggest way to recover, the biggest way to recover, is to set up a new like lifestyle. Right? Look at your sleep. 
Look at your sleep hygiene. Look at, you know, where you're living, your job. Like, look at the things in your life and say, you know, does this serve me? Does this build me? Does this drain me? Like, let's actually legitimately have some of those tough conversations with yourself, right? Um, and give yourself some space to be able to make some of those changes for yourself because, you know, it's hard if you're a night hawk to go, oh, crap, I need to sleep longer than I have been, right? So that's where you have to like have some actual difficult decisions and difficult conversations with yourself because those tidbits will allow for you to not skip or miss anything. That, yeah, that that's sense? true. I laugh because I'm like a sleep person. I'm not very good at it yet. <laughs> you know, oh, that's great. Yeah, we all are, but melatonin is free, and it will do a lot of help for cancer, right? So, I mean, I have nice. lots of statistics on shift workers who, you know, they're 50% more likely to develop cancer than the normal population. And it's because yeah, the circadian yeah. rhythms are all messed up, right? So if you want something free, right, get your sleep in order. And there are lots of people who skip over it, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, just yeah. that's a dirty little secret. Let's do all these other things, right? So, And it's not only that. that Everyone has a thing, you know, in their life where they're like, oh, yeah, that's my advice, right? So let's have a, uh, an intense conversation with ourselves about that. Okay. That sounds great. Well, this is fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Katrina. Um, Action-packed, content-packed interview today. Uh, lots of things to for folks to really feel good about. Um, you know, so they can not just like we said, not just survive a cancer diagnosis, uh, but when you get into remission, now what? You know, all those questions like, now what do I do? Uh, there's so many positive things that they can do, and this has been fantastic. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. And just for everyone else listening in, thank you so much for being here with us today. Even if you're listening on the replay, we love everyone. Uh, until next time, bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye.